Hello, everyone. My name is Illumide. And my name is Christy. And welcome to the Big Empty Birds podcast. My favorite Twitter comment was someone saying that if we if we decarbonize the grid and get rid of all the like carbon energy sources, we will get rid of all the CO2 and all the plants will die because they'll have nothing to eat. He <laughs> said <laughs> <laughs> So, Christy, <laughs> what have you been up to since the last episode? <laughs> Let's see. What have I been up to? So, my family has a fantasy football league. Hey. Five years running. This is the sixth year. So, we did our draft. It has now expanded well beyond the original, like, family. It's, like, such a rando collection of people. <laughs> it's, like, me, my stepmom, my dad, my sister, and then, like, my husband, his dad, one of my dad's friends, one of me and John's friends, one of my sister's high school friends. Like, it's like the most random menagerie of people, but it's excellent. Everyone knows like just enough to be competent, but not oh. very good, <laughs> except for like a few of us, which let me just put my husband on blast here. <laughs> There's like a few of us in the league, like myself, my dad, my husband, John, and then one other person who's John and I's friend who joined this year who are like serious about it. And my dad has won the league twice. I've won the league three times. John, who takes it very seriously, has never won our family league, has never won a single fantasy football league in like 11 years of playing it. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry to that, man. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I mean, like 60% of this family league is just making fun of John, which... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> God bless him. He's a patient man. <laughs> you know what? Now that you've said that, he's going to win this year. He's going to win this year and he's going to rub it in your face. He's going to rub it all the way in your face once he wins. <laughs> the thing is, you would think that, but he's not. This keeps happening. Oh. <laughs> Every year, something like this happens and they're like, well, now he's just, he's got to win after that. But then he doesn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm rooting for him. I'll let him know. He's got one cheerleader on the fantasy football cheerleading squad. <laughs> but the draft was lulzy and great. Did, first of all, I have a stupid question. Because the panorama happened last year, was there mm -hmm. like a full-fledged fantasy football thing last year? Or was it like a little wonky? Because I don't know if like games were canceled and stuff like that. You mean fantasy football or real football? Sorry, maybe I don't know how this works. <laughs> I always thought that fantasy football had to do with real... Like there's some connection where if a player in real life gets injured, like you own your fan... Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. So if it depends on yeah. the real football and there's a panorama happening there's a pandemic Lovato happening, right. then like, <laughs> how do you play if there's no games? Right. Yeah. So with the Panama Canal last year, the NFL <laughs> actually managed to, they never canceled a game because of COVID. Should they have? Almost certainly. Did they? No. Wow. Do they deserve kudos for that? I don't know. But uh, they didn't They didn't cancel a game, but a lot of them were delayed. Like it would uh, be something where if a certain number of the players or coaches caught COVID, they would have to delay the game until like those could people could quarantine and like other people could get tested to see if there was an outbreak. So that affected fantasy football and like someone was supposed to play a certain day and uh -huh. all of a sudden it was like, well, they might play tomorrow or they might play the next day or they might play the next day. <laughs> so oh, okay. it, it okay, made it okay. exciting. Hopefully it will be less exciting 
this year with vaccines, but shockingly, there are some players who do not want to get vaccinated. So, okay. I should have, I honestly should have looked up beforehand, like who the anti-vax football players were and like not drafted them for my fantasy football league. That would have been a good strategy. I don't know, man. As a player, you're just traveling all over the place, meeting all these people, having to check it. It's, it's just a good idea to get vaccinated. But you know yeah. what? Hopefully, hopefully that'll be the advantage that your husband needs to win. <laughs> Maybe. Back to me supporting. Yes. <laughs> Either that or all his players will get COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. So then so then there's like some serious people in this league. And then there's also people like my husband's dad who knows very little and is not very good at using the app. He just knows players he likes. And so he'll draft them like very high up in a place that's like objectively just a, like like there's different strategies for fantasy football that you can argue. And then there's some things that are just like a bad decision and we've tried to explain to him like this is a bad decision don't do it and he just charges right ahead <laughs> he gonna do what he gonna do or like my sister will draft people purely based on like superstition and luck it's like some random kicker and she's like but he was on my team when i won this thing so i have to draft him it's a very lulzy assortment i'll let y'all know you're rooting for him honestly at this point like i'm gonna make fun of him constantly but i honestly i i want him to win at this point at this point it's just <laughs> like how he tries he does <laughs> Honestly, though, I, I think I've only been in one fantasy football thing. And it was me and like a, a few people that I knew. And it was like they asked me offhanded after like we were up to some other thing. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then I joined and I had no idea what I was doing. Honestly, till today, I don't even know what I did. Obviously, I didn't win. But I think on the thing, you could select like auto draft and auto play or something. Mm -hmm. And the thing just did everything for me. And I was like, all right, hopefully that's exactly the kind of luck I need to make it far. I didn't make it far. <laughs> I did not. And that was that on that. And I was fine with it because I was like, I'm only doing this for camaraderie. I know I'm not going to win this. What the fuck? What do I know? I'm honestly shocked you've ever done it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just be saying yes to shit, man. I really shouldn't. But I love in fantasy football leagues when there's someone like you who knows nothing and is like just using the like auto optimize. And then there's someone in the league who's actually trying who does worse than someone with just using the auto. <laughs> That's always hilarious. Also, most of the source of my going through it has been something that arguably was worth it. Something exciting in this hashtag summer of solar, hashtag running on sunshine. It is actually kind of exciting. Uh, we just, my office, I like work for the Department of Energy Solar Office, just released this huge study on how solar would play a role in like a decarbonized electric grid by like, uh -huh. like by 2035 and by 2050. Are you saying like what percentage of carbon source can solar replace? Basically, yeah. It's like if okay. it's almost working backwards. It's like if we want to have an electric grid that is run entirely on like carbon free or like carbon neutral sources, how much of that would need to be solar? Oh, okay. Okay. So it was just like a modeling study. It was actually cool because it got so much like mainstream press, even though it's like a sort of a very detailed like modeling study. But it like it was really exciting and found that solar would need to make up like almost supply like almost 50% of US electricity. So like there's this big push to like, it's like a, a sign that it's really important for us to like deploy a lot more solar energy. And like there were like all these interesting findings about all of the like money we could save in like climate damages and air quality damages with deploying all this solar and, and yada yada. But I thought it was fascinating. That's the shop talk on a personal level. I work in the communications and this got some like big boy press, which was very exciting because I was working on like, you know, the press release and the talking points and reporter interviews. So like, it's very exciting to see like like my husband was standing in here and got like a Washington Post like breaking news notification and it was about the solar future study and I was like ah I wrote the talking points for that hey. <laughs> that's me <laughs> better work <laughs> yeah that's actually oh, really cool 
That's yeah. actually pretty cool. I'm happy that, I mean, I, I hate to say, the past administration, I was worried that the, the kind of damage that the past admi- administration did would put us back so much further in the pursuit of carbon neutral energy sources. And I'm very happy to hear that like stuff like this is actually going forward full steam. People are actually figuring out a way to make the numbers make sense. Yeah, it was so encouraging to see that in the study. It's like, this is this is possible. We can actually afford to do it. We don't have to actually sacrifice a ton of things. Like this is, this is still doable. First of all, in my mind, I've reasoned that if we go into these types of energy sources, electricity bill will reduce. Mm-hmm. From a very selfish perspective, that's what I want. Yeah. And the only thing in my mind that I'm reasoning that could be the bottleneck is if we capture as much solar as possible if the amount of other energy sources cannot make up for the times in the evening when there's no fucking sun yeah (laughs) then then i'm like okay shit we need to make sure battery capacities are great if not we need to have enough wind or whatever the damn energy all the other stuff that can take kick in when like it's night out so but either way i want my energy bill to be much less than what it currently is. Before this call started, before we started, I was complaining to you that like my electricity bill just skyrocketed. I'm <laughs> mad about it. BGE, if you're listening to this, please help a boy out. This is not how I feel. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm very happy about this. If storage were to get like cheaper and more efficient, things would be moving like so much faster. So, yeah. But but no, even even where it is now, it is actually like saving people money, which is exciting. God, what else was I gonna say? I had something else to add to that. Yeah, I had something interesting to say, but who knows? It's gone now. But <laughs> what have I been up to? A better question is, what have I been going through? The answer is it. It. I've been going through it. See, I remember two weeks ago, actually three weeks ago when I was like, I'm going to show up and come back and be like, I'm going through it. And then I had two weeks of not going through it. And I got used to that. My dear, that changed. This week, that completely changed. I have been going all the way through it. I'm back on my bullshit. And... <laughs> this past weekend, the Labor Day weekend, I decided to go to Boston, which that was a fun trip, by the way. Shout out to my friends up there. You guys showed me a good time and I loved it. And shout out to my sister too. Hey, but the trip there and back, when I tell you that I have been inside the streets, inside of it, in the streets, because me getting back this week, my body reminded me that you are no longer 19. <laughs> I went out on Saturday night. I went to, I was bar hopping with my friend in Boston and we kept ping-ponging back and forth between these two bars, which is a great time. One of them had better music, but it was a straight bar. Ooh. And the other had like uns uns music, but it wasn't really good music, but it was a gay bar. Wait, wait, the straight bar had the good music? I don't understand <gasps> it. It was like a college bar, so they kept playing like top 40 hits mm. that were like, you know how like DJs would try to alter music? They'll put a different beat on the song. They right. didn't do that. They just mm. played the regular top 40 and they just, they didn't mix it too much. Yeah. The other bar, they mixed like, they had all these underground music and then they mixed in like popular beats or the reverse. And yeah. I didn't recognize a lot of the songs. It's, it was like, you, the song will play and it'll take like a second to recognize it because the emphasis was on the uns uns beat as opposed to the actual music. And yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. If I can't bop to it because I recognize what it is, otherwise it has to be so good that it doesn't matter what it is, but it wasn't good. Yeah. And I hate to say it this way. It was a very, how do I say, the caucasity was strong in that gay bar which explains the music obviously right. that completely explains the music i didn't get home until like four in the morning which the young people listen to that and be Oof. like well, four in the morning is early yeah my dear i'm not one of you anymore that did me in Oof. did me in because i got home and i already have when i say i have trouble sleeping people usually don't believe me i actually legit have trouble sleeping so i didn't sleep i got home and i was like ah damn it so i couldn't sleep so i just stayed up i was like responding to stuff just staying online that kind of stuff and then i had to fly back that same very day oh, and God. that was a tight fit get, apparently by the way shout out to boston you guys need to figure out your fucking airport situation because where that airport is placed there's always traffic my sister was telling me like there's no way we left the house literally 45 minutes before we wanted to get to the airport i wanted to get to the airport like two hours before my flight and we left the hour 45 minutes before then right guess mm-hmm. what i got to the airport like l- very late like yeah. literally 
And she lives, I kid you not, she lives seven miles away from the airport. Seven. Oh, she's less no. than seven. And I was like, why is this so struggling? But anyway, I was late. I checked my luggage in. And they, you know how you, I flew Southwest because, you know, I'm poor. And I get to the Southwest counter and I type the thing and I check my luggage in. You know how if you check your luggage in 45 minutes or less before your flight takes off, the machine starts screaming at you. Late luggage, late luggage, like makes all these beeping noises. And I <laughs> finally go up to give the bag to the lady. And she goes, well, look, this bag may not make it on the flight you're going with. It's going to make it on another flight. And you're just going to have to go pick it up when it gets there. I was like, okay, work. I don't understand why Boston is like that. So you guys need to fix your airport situation. Anyway, back to the story I was telling. I got back to Baltimore. I parked the car. I didn't even have a chance to like take a nap or anything. And then my friend hits me up saying, oh, there's a, a thing happening in DC. Let's go bar hop. And I was like, sure. Because again, don't forget, Top Boy Summer. I'm in the streets this whole summer. If you mm -hmm. ask me to do anything, show up, my answer is going to be yes. So I was like, I haven't slept in two days, but you know what? I'll be there. So I get in the car. I drive all the way to DC. By the <laughs> way, for those of you listening, you don't know this. Baltimore is at least an hour from DC. Where I was going to DC was an hour and 15 minutes. I was going to U Street to meet this person. And then I got there and we started bar hopping. And then we eventually get to this club called Karma where Maya was performing sidebar it wasn't really a performance you know how like they have like a guest appearance to like ask a, a person who does music to show up they like do like a little 30 minute not even 20 minute set they just mm -hmm. do like a medley of all the, they're not they don't even move too much they do a little two-step they have like two dancers <laughs> behind them they get their money and they leave honestly yeah. so we were there dancing for two hours before she even arrives because she arrives at 2 a.m okay she gets there she does her little 20 minute medley and this shit killed me there's this song that i don't even know the name of the song maya has a song with beanie man and this song was back in the uh, what early 2000s and maya was singing nobody knew the words everybody was just sitting there standing still <laughs> but there's this thing that beanie man does he goes zagazao zagazao and literally the whole song everybody would hear maya sing like a whole verse won't move or do anything and then as soon as the chorus comes and everybody in unison just screams zagazao and then we go back to being quiet <laughs> <laughs> Maya continues to sing. The whole thing was comical to me. I was dying of laughter. Anyway, I got home after that at like five something in the morning. And I kid you not, everything hurt. Oh, no. Everything hurt. I just... <laughs> everything hurt i just i was like oh my god i did too much i am not. anyway so that was all the fun that i had back to boston while i was in boston i went to see the movie shang chi the new marvel disney movie mm. and it's supposed to be like one of the superhero type movies and it's about I don't, spoiler alert i'm talking about shang chi it's actually pretty good in terms of action sequences they had really detailed action sequences i guess disney marvel they have the money they can afford to do these really cool action sequences the plot was okay i didn't see like any horrible things wrong with the plot there were some things that they didn't explain very well but who knows and then, of course, they tried to tie it to the Marvel Universe, which means that there's going to be some tie to all the other Marvel movies. And, of course, it's a new character. They've introduced even newer characters. The franchise is going to grow. So I already saw that coming. That was, like, predictable. But mm -hmm. that was cool. I enjoyed that movie. I had no, no complaints. If you haven't seen it and you're thinking about seeing it, I don't see any harm in recommending it. I think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> If you're just, I mean, if you're into an action movie, it, this is not like a, an Oscar-worthy movie where, like, yeah. they, they really <laughs> twist your thinking about human emotion. And, uh, yeah, it's good enough acting. The action sequences are perfect. Uh, it's very, how do I say, martial ask martial ask martial arts heavy <laughs> martial ass kind of, um, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the stage the drag queen martial ass anyway um <laughs> no, no no it was it was pretty good it's very i don't know if, I, if if you remember like the kind of movies like white dragon or crouching tiger hitting dragon those types of movies mm. yeah it's very much in that fashion but it's, it, it was well done i enjoyed it and that has been my wake up until now i actually did a lot i did yeah. objectively too much but i'm here i remember mm now what else i needed to bring to your attention <laughs> go back go on which, which was like re the solar future study which we've been pushing all over social media my favorite twitter comment on these posts was someone saying 
that if we if we decarbonize the grid and get rid of all the like carbon energy sources, we will get rid of all the CO2 and all the plants will die because they'll have nothing to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I hate how stupid people can be. <laughs> all the plants will die. Do you remember that one time? I forget who it was. It might have been. I'm, maybe I'm remembering this incorrectly. There was one time that a senator was on air at an interview or something. It was a GOP senator. He said that if we focus heavily on solar, we'll use up all the sunlight. Yes, you're not making this up. I was like, I, <laughs> the dots don't connect. The lights are on, but nobody's home. The elevator doesn't go all the way up. Like, <laughs> these people don't think. <laughs> they really don't. Like, I mean, I, I am a science communicator by trade. Like, I call myself that. That's what I do for my job. So, like, part of me is, like, I need to keep a really open mind and, like, meet people where they are and, like, really make sure people understand. Some of it is really difficult. I want to make it more accessible. But at some point, we're going to use up the sun. All the plants are going to die because they have nothing to eat. And at some point, just, I, I got nothing for you, man. Like, what the f***? Because <laughs> you sit there and you're looking at them like, oh, no, you're serious. You actually think this. This is exactly what your mind has considered. <laughs> You can't save them all. Don't save her. She don't want to be saved. Don't save her. <laughs> I'm glad I remembered that to share with you. I'm glad so too. So on today's episode, we'll be discussing ambition. Now that I've said that, I feel like on this episode, we're just going to expose more of our childhood trauma. Absolutely. That's what they come here for, right? Why you gagging? We bring it to you every week. Oh my God. Sidebar. <laughs> that reference, I use it sometimes and sometimes people don't get it. You know the, why you gagging? I bring it yeah. to you every ball. People don't get yes. that. And if you don't get it, let me just give you some range right now. While you gagging, I bring it to you every ball is a reference to the documentary Paris is Burning about the queer nightlife in New York City in the late 80s, which is where Madonna's Vogue, the very pop song came from. It's the range you need. If you haven't watched it, go watch it and thank me later. You're welcome. I mean, number one, we've said it on this podcast before and I'll say it again. Paris is Burning should be required viewing for everyone, yes. even yes. in public schools. <laughs> You might not be able to conjugate a verb, but you should watch Paris is Burning. <laughs> I forget sometimes how many queer people are in my life. And I, I, the other day I was, I used reading as in uh -huh. reading read, as is fundamental. fundamental. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and someone was like, reading? I was like, yeah, oh, no. we're going to go be read. He's like, read? I was like, oh, stop it. Help. Oh, God. Oh, no. I, I, you don't know what this means. Ah, where do I start? I just literally didn't know. I was like, I just don't have many people in my life who would not understand. Like, I, I thought reading was one of those things that had made it to the straights by now. Because it is fundamental. It's essentially. <laughs> The phrase is, reading is fundamental. It's how do people not get this? <laughs> That's literally the phrase. Like, I know shade has made it to the straights. I thought reading had made it to them already. This person was straight. It, well, nobody's perfect. So anyway, we've we've already gone astray. Sorry. <laughs> We're not sorry because it's our podcast. And, and we, we can, can talk, talk about, about whatever what we want. want. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like I feel like there's only one universal ambition. The definition is universal, but I choose to define it very specifically as the discipline to do the work required to accomplish one's goals. Mm. However, Google will give you something vague as say a strong desire to do or achieve something typically requiring determination and hard work. Mm. Look, if you only take the first half of that definition and you say, oh, a strong desire to do or achieve something that's a dream idea that's not yeah. ambition that's just a oh i want to do it yeah no so what you gonna do about right. it right yeah i don't know where you draw the line with an ambitious person because there are plenty of people who have very big dreams and do literally less than nothing to achieve them like do you consider that an ambitious person or does that like hard work and sort of buy-in is that required to consider someone ambitious for me it does back to the dating episode where <laughs> i've been told in my life that i have a natural affinity for creative people and artists i'm so sorry what drives me crazy and I, thank you thank you i'm sorry too i'm very sorry 
Because what drives me crazy is this. There are so many people in this world who are creative, but their ability to follow through on their creative ideas is lacking significantly. Mm -hmm. Or even if they have any type of ability to follow through, they always take the path of mediocrity. Mm. So they'll do it the half-stepped way. Like it's very it's, it's very half-assed. Like it's, so I've run into people like that a lot and that shit drives me crazy. It, mm-hmm. I don't consider that ambitious. Because what annoys me yeah. is I'm not a very creative person. So I think that's actually why it annoys me. Let's unpack this trauma right now. <laughs> I wish I were very creative. I really do. Yes. And when I see somebody who doesn't have to even work hard at being creative mm-hmm. and then they have all these brilliant ideas and I'm like, so you're really not going to do shit about that. <laughs> what the fuck it's like you have an obligation it's a fuck i'm like look this is a really good idea let me help you fucking plan a way to get it to where you have said it could go and they're like yeah no we're just <laughs> drives me fucking yeah. crazy and they're over there just pointing out all the fucking like here, here, here's all the ways you can do it you can do it this way you can do it that way you can start here you, i don't even uh, good fucking bye goodbye <laughs> goodbye that stuff drives it drives me crazy but anyway do you consider yourself an ambitious person if you say yes we won't call you pompous but you can say yes <laughs> <laughs> here we go are we ready for the childhood trauma yes <laughs> so when i was growing up absolutely i would have called this like a defining characteristic of myself was being ambitious mm-hmm. and looking back i grew up in a town where very few people ever left the town it was pretty poor town you know people like got pregnant in high school married their high school sweetheart like never left never did anything and i try as i like had a lot of resentment to that when I was younger. As I've gotten older, I've tried to be more understanding about like why people choose to do that and are okay with that for their lives and not be so judgmental. But as a teenager growing up in that situation, I felt very much like I don't belong here. I want something better for my life. I need to do literally everything I can to do right. better and get out of here and do something with myself. So that to me, and I think at that point, I probably was a pretty ambitious person. I was like bound and determined to go to a really good college. I overachieved in all of my classes. I did every single extracurricular. I, I just, I wanted better out of my life and I was willing to work very hard and completely burn myself out to do it. And I did. Right. Went to a great school. Was that a good decision? Uh, <laughs> should I have gone to a state school and spent a lot less money? Mm, yes. The answer yes. to that is yes. But <laughs> considering what my ambitions were at the time, I, I did achieve what I was going for and I did get out of my hometown. I am like, I've achieved things from the outside. Like I was an ambitious person who set goals and achieved them. Would I consider myself an ambitious person now? The jury's out. Yeah, <laughs> I really don't. Out. I genuinely yeah. don't know because as I've gotten older, like, yes and no. There's parts right. of me that still feel like I'm ambitious, not necessarily for the same reasons, but because like I want to learn, I want to do better. I feel like I can contribute more. So there is a drive to keep going and keep learning and doing things. But then there's another part of me now that has been like growing and developing since then. That's like all of this ambition is very career related. And like, I don't want my whole life to be based around my career and like continuing to move up in my career seems to inevitably lead to like less time with my family and with my friends. And like, do I really, do I really want that? Like, am I capable of moving up through this career ladder? Like, yeah, I think I am. But do I really want to? Like, is that what I really want out of my life? That I'm questioning at this point in my life. So I don't have a good answer for right now, but that's that's where I am on my journey. (laughs) You know what? That's actually very well said and very well unpacked. I was going to say much less and be (laughs) so much less eloquent than that. Because, I mean... (laughs) 
yeah i think <laughs> most people god this is why age is good like it really puts shit into perspective i don't consider myself as ambitious anymore or mm-hmm. if i had to say it a different way what drives my ambition now is very different than what did some 10 20 years ago mm. yeah so i first of all if i have to if i have to say you know if so, a different way somebody can ask this question am i accomplished the answer is fucking no but yeah. that's me looking at myself right i'm looking at myself like uh, have i no that's i'm not that's not true you are <laughs> oh that's a, do you see my point do you fucking yes. see my point it just it matters who, so if you ask somebody who's 10 years behind me am i ambitious if they're not where I am, they'll say, yes, um, am I ambitious or am I accomplished? They'll say, oh, yes, yes, I mm-hmm. want to be. But people who have passed me, they're like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> As I said in the last episode when I was talking about King of Boys, and she said, mm-hmm. incidentally, you're not even hard. That's exactly what people who are so much further in their ambition would think of me. Like, oh, you're not anywhere yet. But mm-hmm. also, because I've been spoiled by people like you in my life, my dear, when I say I see people do shit like it's no like no big deal they are turning the party everywhere they go like it's no big deal and me next to them i'm like uh-uh what i'm carrying is water in a basket i'm not holding shit <laughs> there's nothing in there but uh, <laughs> oh my god but but that that's you see what i mean that's how i i feel about that but but also like you said right the older i get i'm starting to realize that i'm only ambitious second to my happiness yeah and happiness is i, I choose to define it at any point in time I'm willing mm-hmm. to work up until that point where I'm being asked to sacrifice my happiness for the ambition. And I'm like, ah, uh-uh. now we stop here. Yep. I, I, now we stop there. No, that makes a lot of sense. I've, I, I mean, you say I said it eloquently. That, that I think really puts it well for me is like, I have realized that too much ambition is literally at odds with my happiness. Right. And when I was growing up, it was like, I was, I was so unhappy that I had nothing, I had nowhere to go but up. Like, there we go. That's it. But now I have, I have things that I care about. I have... I have hobbies, I have friends, I have I have happiness in my life and like some ambitions could bring me some like happy, fulfilling things in my life and some could take away some things that I consider happy and fulfilling. I feel like yeah. it's a hard it's a it's a really hard line to walk. Like mm-hmm. if you watch a movie like Devil Wears Pride and stuff like that, there there's just there's this whole if you are extremely intelligent and or ambitious, it's it's very hard to maintain your happiness. Mm. Because it's very hard to know where the line is. Yeah. Is this going to be worth for, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to the character Miranda Priestley. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Which brings us to the next question. In terms of ambition, do you think there's an appropriate time to give up? <laughs> <laughs> and I say that, you know, I mean, when I, when I ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because. I'm laughing because when I say that, I think of people who are SoundCloud rappers in their 30s. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? But like, that's like a throwaway oh. joke that I, you know, you've heard, but like, there's so much to unpack there. Mm-hmm. And I don't even, it's, it's very, it's very hard for me to like articulate the things that go into that. I guess I'll go first. Because first thing is, if your ambition is driven by expectations of others, yeah, they're in there, just go ahead and give up. Just mm-hmm. go ahead and give up. Say, for instance, if your ambition is, oh, my parent wants to be a, wants me to be a doctor, mm-hmm. and you have absolutely no, don't do it. Just give up. Yeah. Right there, just give that up. Fuck or that. that could also be a motivating factor for some people. Say, for instance, mm-hmm. somebody who wants to be rich and they see a field such like, that's exactly what hip hop is about, by the way. A lot of hip hop artists become really good hip hop artists because they see that as a means to get them out of poverty. Mm-hmm. And that's their motivation to do it, as opposed to they don't love hip hop. They don't wake <laughs> up thinking about poetic licks to put in no they're just like all right this is what the field requires this is what is considered good i'm going to learn this shit and be so good that i get paid so i can get out of it yeah so like and i you know the funny thing is i feel like that's one of the stronger ones because you and i like you just said 
We started from a place where we didn't love it there and we were willing to do every fucking thing possible to get out of there. We're in the exact same boat. <laughs> we did what we had to. Honestly, we worked yeah. the kind of hard that we had to work to get out of there. And mm-hmm. that's exactly the same thing with hip hop. Like I, I so mm-hmm. the, like I like I said, the SoundCloud rapper thing is kind of a throwaway, I just say. But honestly, depending on the motivation, it could be what you need. I would say if you're driven by the expectations of others, just go ahead and give that shit up. The other thing I will say, though, some people will say, oh, you know, if you've been at it for X amount of years and you haven't had a break yet, I don't have an answer to this because I honestly don't know what the fuck I do with my life either. None of us do. Yeah. We just move. <laughs> and we move the best way we know how to move. That's it. But I feel like if you have a goal and you keep working towards that goal, say, for instance, I don't care if you're 30, 40. If you are significantly better than you were some time back, that means you're somewhere closer to that goal. Now, maybe the pace at which you're improving is not fast enough for you to like hit the, the mark anytime soon. In which case, put some pep in your step. Hmm. Oh, on this topic, speaking of mediocre artists, you know the shit that really ah. annoys me? This shit drives me up the wall. Drives me up the wall. Some people will say, oh, I want to be a model. I want to be a, I don't know, a, a film producer or movie director or this or that. And you ask them, very simple question. It's very, very simple. What's your vision? Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I hate that question. I hate that question. <laughs> or you ask them something even more mundane. You say stuff like, Okay, you want to be a movie director. And you want to be on top. No, 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 no. Sorry, continue. <laughs> no, seriously, but that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, oh, you ask them stuff like, so say for instance, you want to be a movie director. Have you seen like the landmark movies in the past hundred years? Or if you want to be like a, you want to make B movies that gag people. Have you seen Mildred Pierce? Have you? And they're mm-hmm. like, oh no, I haven't seen that. Uh, it's an it's an old movie. Right. Yeah. It's a fucking old movie, my yeah. dear. This is the field you want to conquer. The people yeah. who came before you and did it very well. What they did set the platform for you to even get to so you need to go you study the field that you're in or you see somebody who says oh i'm a clothing designer and they know nothing about the dior a line <laughs> or the balenciaga designs that put him on the map or the pierre balmain my dear you're not a designer you will never be a designer because yeah. what they see yeah. is they literally open glossy magazines that came out vogue this year and they're like oh that's beautiful i want to be a designer mm-hmm. that's not what it takes to be a designer right like you know what i mean so that type of stuff i'm like all right so if that's yeah. what you're doing, or say for somebody who wants to be an actor, and the only reason why they want to be an actor is because they see red carpets and they see the beautiful dresses, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Actors actually have to, emotional intelligence is their currency. Mm-hmm. They have to fundamentally understand the human emotion, the human psyche, and what kind of reactions could be expected in a very specific situation that's believable. Yeah. So, like, even if you don't, you've never lost your parents, like, your, both your parents are still very much alive and kicking and well. <laughs> for you, Like, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. You yeah. have to have some emotional understanding of what that feels like to be able to portray that on screen it's not about overacting where you know you're acting and you're just screaming and roll yourself on the floor that shit is not believable jesus christ you're never gonna be a good actor best case scenario you'll be in a tyler perry movie <laughs> that's the best we can hope for for you good luck anyway so if, if, yeah. your, if your motivations are these kind of things just go ahead and give up that's what yeah. i would say what would you say <laughs> yeah that's that's interesting that you bring those up because i feel like a lot of amb- Ambitious people, or at least people that would consider themselves ambitious, pursue these types of very high-risk, high-reward types of careers, like Mm -hmm. hip-hop or pro sports or acting, where the potential, if you really make it, is extremely high, and you don't need all of these years of grinding and like school and all of these things because they rely on this like natural talent. But the people who do succeed in those types of high-risk, high-reward fields are both extremely hardworking and very lucky. (laughs) Like. So it amazes me when people consider themselves ambitious and like have ambitions in these types of fields and then don't really work at it because there are plenty of people every day who work extremely hard at it and still give up because nothing happens. Like, it's that's amazing. Whereas we took a better, worse route. I don't know. Less risky. (laughs) Very less risky. 
both of us went into science where like we've said before, and I'm sure we'll say again, like there is not the job market people think there is for science majors, but there, <laughs> but it did give us like a solid foundation. Like it's not like there aren't going to be jobs for scientists and like compared to other careers, like it does give you some earning potential. It gives you some credentials. Like what did it take to get us there? Tens of thousands of dollars in debt, several years of our life, most of our mental health, but <laughs> most of it, all of it, all of it. <laughs> Wholesale. The amount of humdrum stuff you have to do, the, what you have to put your mind through. Oh my God, nobody wants mm. that. No. If I knew what was ahead of me when I chose to do this, maybe I would have chosen something else. Maybe. Yeah. But yes. yeah, it's it's you. You really have to. There's there's no there's no wherever you go, whatever field you choose, you still have to do your due diligence to understand and learn as much about that field as possible if you want to be good at it. Mm -hmm. And like I don't I don't know how else to yeah. But in terms of giving up, like when to give to give up. <laughs> I'm still laughing at this question. All I can think of is um those like remixes of Let It Go from Frozen. There's like, fuck it all. Fuck it all. Don't give a <laughs> shit anymore. <laughs> and I, I don't like the word raw talent because it seems kind of like divinely bestowed as mm. if you don't have any input as to what comes. It, does that make sense? Like, right. like say for instance, somebody can say, oh, uh, pff, Ariana Grande is a raw talent. You can sing. You have no idea how many singing, like, or say Mariah Carey. The number of singing exercises those ladies have to do, mm -hmm. it's it's not it's not natural talent. They actually have to know. Right. You have to have an ear for, okay, this is the way you should compose that run or that riff that's going to make sense. To, that, to you, you can look at them and just say, oh, they're just doing it so freely. No, they're not. They are working <laughs> over time, over time for them to <laughs> figure that shit out. Maybe this is the hubris in me. I feel as though if your ambition is based off of what you truly want and you are willing to put the, even a high risk, high reward type thing like hip hop, if you decide you want to be a hip hop artist today, and you today's the first day on your journey, my dear, go through the last 50 years, figure out mm -hmm. exactly what the trend of hip hop is. Make sure that you start making your own shit, like make the kind of stuff that you think is absolutely good. And the more you learn, you'll figure out what's even better and you'll keep improving. Well, that's the first part. The second part is you have to, I suppose in most fields you have to network, I suppose. Like mm -hmm. you really have to put yourself out there, like go be an intern at a radio station, like meet all the people who come through, do all the grunt work of like, I don't know, I, this is how I assume it, it happens. You do all that grunt work, but because you've also put the effort to be a master in the field the mm -hmm. day the opportunity opens, because people like to think there's only one opportunity that just shows up in your life i don't believe that i believe opportunities will show up every single place it won't look like what you expect it to look like yeah and maybe the opportunity that leads to this place comes from like five miles down the road <laughs> but if you walk through that door five miles down the road you may end up reaching this door so you grab every opportunity you take the day like the opportunity opens its head and you see the chance you're already ready your skills are sharp you can drop the hottest summer hit on your first try mm -hmm. and now you're a hip-hop artist it's like somebody says, oh, Jay-Z, because Jay-Z always makes, he won't let anybody forget that he doesn't write his rhymes. <laughs> when Jay-Z rhymes, he's never put pen to paper. He's saying it in real time. And people are just like, oh, that's natural talent. Are you fucking serious? Jay-Z explained yeah. this several times. When Jay-Z used to be on the corner selling drugs, he was the lookout man. So you're standing in the hot sun all day being the lookout man. Your brain is dull. You're not doing shit. Do you know what he would start doing? He would start like humming lines in his head, lines that he thinks are clever. And he would do it over and over, that repetition of staying in the sun every single day. So when Jay-Z says he doesn't write his rhymes, he has several years of experience just cataloging shit in his head. So when, he's, when he steps in front of a microphone and what falls out of his mouth is complete gold, and he mm -hmm. didn't even have to write it down first, that's not an accident. Mm -hmm. That man has trained his brain for many years to get to that point. So you can't compare yourself to Jay-Z and be like, well, I won't write my rhymes. Motherfucker, get a pen of paper. <laughs> write that shit. Write it. Write it. Rewrite it. Edit it. You can't get gold the first time. That man didn't get gold the first time either. <laughs> you see right. what I mean? So, right. yeah. Except for your verse on Monster, Jay-Z. Sorry, but that one's that not. One <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, but see, see, that's what I mean. Even as good as he is, there's some times where he's going to release a verse that's going to be a dud. Maybe for the monster one, he should have put pen to paper for that one. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. He just came and listed like, all yeah. the monsters he knows. <laughs> yeah. Goblins, ghouls, Godzilla. <laughs> Everybody knows I'm a motherfucking monster. Oh, by the way, we might get flagged for this, but I'm good. Now that you've said that, I'm going to do the whole Nicki Minaj verse. Have you seen the carpool karaoke where... um? Adele did the Nicki Minaj verse from Monster, no. and she did this like um, this hand motion as if pointing a gun. Adele's a gangster. I love that <laughs> woman to death. She was like, "Pull up in a Monster automobile, gangster. Who the bad bitch that came from Sri Lanka? Yeah, I'm in a tanker, color the Willy Wonka. You could be the king, but watch the queen conquer. First things first, I'll eat your brains. Then I'ma start rocking gold teeth and fangs, cause that's what the motherfucking monster do. Hairdresser from Milan, that's a monster do. Monster Giuseppe Hills, that's a monster shoot. Something, 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 and a monster crew. And I pull up, pull up, pull up in a bank with the phone face and if i'm fake i know it's because my money ain't well let me get this straight wait i'm the rookie but my features in my show is 10 times your pay 50k for a verse no album out get my money so tall that my bobby's gotta climb it how did that in the middle is the climate wine it 20 months around don't they wine it nikki you know when i try to sign it anyway i forget the rest of it but anyway nikki snatched everyone else on that track <laughs> every time i think about that nikki was the underdog like every she this is what i mean the hunger that it takes for you to put in your best work they had every Kanye, I think Papoose was on a version of that. <laughs> Jay-Z, a lot of heavy hitters. Nicki mm -hmm. was the only one that came in brand new, fresh face, and she ate everybody. Mm -hmm. They could have called Jay-Z's verse, you're right, though. That was not a good one. But, um, yeah, <laughs> that was not a good one. We just covered giving up. <laughs> We've covered giving up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess one, one last thing on giving up is, like, that I've had to think about with ambition is, like, coming to terms with this shame of, like, things that I feel like I'm giving up that really just they're things I thought I needed and thought I wanted that I don't actually like that my right. life will actually be better and more fulfilling if I don't. But because I had previously said I want to do this and because I know that I could do it, it feels like giving up. Yes. So that's I something I've had to work through. But there are times like, I mean, call it giving up or call it whatever, like where it is appropriate to self-reflect and like change your goals and not do things even if you're capable of doing them, just that you don't want to do or that don't line up with what your values are right then. Like, it's like one of the movies that I watched and it's one of those con artist movies where they, you know, they plan a heist and stuff like that. And somebody said, the satisfaction of the heist is the planning. You don't actually have to do the heist and go to jail in case you get caught. Hmm. Oh, I think we've already touched on this, but I, I feel like we can't talk about ambition without discussing mediocrity. Because like you said, you know, there are people who I would consider mediocre who... Mm -hmm. Let me put it to you this way. If you are going to choose what I would consider, and mediocre seems harsh, and or, ordinary even seems harsher. Anyway, mediocre slash ordinary <laughs> life. You can't just choose it because you are afraid or you don't have the discipline to do the work to accomplish your goals. You mm -hmm. have to pick it with the understanding of you are picking your happiness over that. It has to be yeah. well thought out in your mind. You have to have already thought about, yes, I could be more ambitious. Yes, I could do all that thing. But this is what I'm specific. It has to be with intention. There's some people who don't do it with intention, and that I have a problem with. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Mediocrity. So many feelings on this. <laughs> and usually it's the kind of mediocrity where it wouldn't, con it wouldn't give you much more effort to fix, but yeah. you chose to be mediocre anyway with the same effort. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why? You could just do better. You could just do better. Why? Yeah. Why? Considering mediocrity is where I like, is the reason I have trouble not completely saying that I'm not an ambitious person because mediocrity mm. does bother me. It really, it really does. And I feel like, I feel like that comes from the ambitious part of me being bothered by that because I'll, you know, I'll be at work and someone just like 
you know, someone will do something and hand it off to me. And I'm like, like, it's just like sloppy and there's this and that. And it's like, fine. But it's like, you could have done such a better job. And like, I, I feel compelled to do a better job. Like I, and sometimes it gets in my own way and I can be a little bit of a perfectionist, but it's like, if I know I can do a better job, I have a hard time just like giving someone something that's not my best work. Right. Like I have a very hard time with that. And something, yeah. So it like, it confuses me when people will like give me something and I'm like, either this is your best work and you're not very good or you're just not trying. (laughs) And part of me is like, well, maybe they're not really trying and maybe that's okay. Like maybe I should take something from that and be like, you know, the world's not going to end if I put less effort in, but I can't, like, I can't, I can't bring myself to do it. (laughs) It's very difficult. Yeah. Because I like say I'm walking this line of like, I don't want my ambition to get in the way of my happiness and my time. And that's true. But then I like sometimes have trouble walking the walk of like, okay, actually you need to put this down and walk away. Like actually you need to just turn this in even though it may not be perfect, so. I know exactly what you mean. Something as simple as typos. <laughs> yeah. When I send a text, if I read it back and I see that, oh shit, autocorrect fucked something up. I will very quickly under that same text, send the right thing, put an asterisk next to it. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, even that nonsense where it's why are you are possessive versus why are you, we talked about this in the last episode, why are you apostrophe are the um, contraction. If my phone automatically corrects one or the other, when I see it, I correct it. Mm-hmm. If someone else sends me a text and they don't correct it, I send them the correction. Yeah. <laughs> These people, I don't know, honestly. And there are people yeah. I know who they know the difference, but their phone mm-hmm. fucked up. I will correct. I'm like, uh-uh, that is not right. There was this Facebook group that I was in a long time ago. And I'm like, a long time ago. <laughs> and I remember somebody made this argument to me saying, I'm an elitist because of that. Mm. I wanted to snatch their head right off. <laughs> because first of all, they're not wrong that I'm an elitist. <laughs> In most things, I just prefer the best if I can get it. Mm-hmm. But in this, this is not a matter of elitism. I don't think so. Because what they were saying is, I'm acting as though everybody has the kind of education that it takes for them to know the difference. And I'm then now penalizing or judging them for not getting it right. And I'm like, that could be true if that were my intention. But the whole point of knowing better is to do better. If mm-hmm. you fuck it up this time and all these people don't correct you, my dear, I will correct you. Next mm-hmm. time, don't make that fucking mistake. Right. Don't make that mistake next time because now I've told you. If you continuously make that mistake every time I tell you, then now the onus is on you. Yeah. You are a raggedy bitch. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm saying. Did I tell you about the time where somebody corrected me and I spelled um twice in my life this has happened the idiom to peak interest mm. when I was very young. I thought it was P E A K. Ah, uh, yeah. And somebody corrected me, and I was like, uh, and one of the ground to swallow me. I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. But since then, I have never made that mistake again. Yep. That's happened to me before with like words, like if it's a word that I've read it before, so I know the meaning and I'm using it correctly, but I've only ever seen it written and I pronounce it wrong. Right. That used to happen to me a lot when I was younger. The opposite has happened to me. Mm. I I typed segway, S-E-G-W-A-Y, and I meant S-E-G-U-E with the Mm. accent on the E, the French word. Yeah. And somebody like, I texted them that and they were like, it's actually segway. I was like, oh, (laughs) but the thing is, I was embarrassed in that moment, but I was very grateful because now I know. Now yeah. I know. And next time I won't make that mistake again. So whenever I see people who make that mistake and they continuously make that mistake, I was like, you are willfully ignorant. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand that mindset of like realizing you've done something wrong and it being an easy thing to correct and just never bothering to correct, to correct it or it. learn it. I just can't really get in that headspace. I know I'm not going to live forever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to go tomorrow, the next 5, 10, 20 years. I don't know when I'm going to go. So right now, I'm only going to focus my efforts on the things that I want to do. As opposed to when I was young, when I was just doing everything to get get further. Now, I will only pick things that I specifically want to spend my time and ambition on. Mm. And if I'm neglecting all those other things in favor of this one thing I have chosen, it would be a fucking bloody waste for me to then half-step this one thing that I've chosen. Mm -hmm. And that is my now driving motivation. I'm like, 
I'm going to pick what I want to do. And whatever it is that I fucking pick, we must not half-step it. Because yeah. technically, I could do 100 things, half-step all 100 of them. And I'm choosing to no longer do that. I'm only going to choose very carefully now. So whatever it is I do choose, we have to see it through, my boy. As they say, <laughs> we have to see it through, my boy. Okay, well, I'll give... This is certainly not the whole story, but I will give the shallow answer that it is true, money. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. be honest with you and, and the listeners. If I continue moving up in my career, I make more money. Uh, I'd like to make more money. I'd like to be financially comfortable. I'd like to pay off my loans. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to not have my kids struggle the way I struggled. Yeah. And like the more I move up and the more accomplished I am, the more that money is something I don't, <laughs> I've, I've gone wrong like way earlier than this. I'm not, I have no illusions that I'm going to be like rich. I, that ship has sailed. <laughs> But <laughs> but I want yeah. I do want to be comfortable. I want it to not be something that I am so because I grew up like worried about it constantly, and like I don't want it to be the like wor- I don't want worrying about money to be the defining feature in my life or in my family's lives. So if I'm being honest, like that's part of it. I really enjoy the job I'm doing right now. I feel like I'm getting a lot out of it. I really enjoy it. I couldn't. I can't imagine staying in the same job for just years and years and years on end. I don't think that would be satisfying for me. So like part of the ambition is to just like keep learning and keep trying new things and not to just be stagnant. Because if you're interested in something, your curiosity will take over Mm -hmm. and you'll do everything to figure out how to do it better, how to do it differently, how to think. It's almost like, this is going to be a terrible example, but there are people who have thought about, oh, this is where, you know, this is where we're heading and we need to face in that direction. But even in the field that you're in, right, you're going to think, say for instance, if if you make vaccines, right, you're like, this is how we've made vaccines, this is how we've tested them, you're going to start thinking, okay, how can we engineer vaccines? It's almost like, even in engineering and tech, the iPhone is likened to the Gillette Razor. Okay, let me explain what I mean by that. <laughs> Back then, you, before the iPhone and phones like the iPhone came out, you had a gadget for pretty much almost every application. You had a voice recorder gadget, you had a camera gadget, you had a, what else is the phone? You had a calculator, mm-hmm. you had a, you understand what I'm saying? And the person saw, okay, you have a device that you're going to carry with you all the time when the cell phones started becoming popular. And all these other things, is there a way that this thing you're going to take with you anyway can contain those? So what I say, what I mean by it, it's like a Gillette razor. The Gillette razors used to come as a solid piece. It was a Mm. block. The shaft and the blade fit in the thing all in one. And somebody one day thought, hold up, wait a minute. We can make different size blades fit with the same shaft. Gillette one the moment they figure that out. Because mm-hmm. you can just buy the shaft and depending on what you're going to shave, just change, change the blade. And that's what the iPhone did. It pretty much looked in the forward direction of where are we headed and yep. how can we innovate in that direction? Which is how like ambitious people in their careers, this is what they do. They try to sit in the very forward position and be like, okay, where are we going and how mm-hmm. can we get there? Or somebody like Elon Musk who's like, well, the planet is going to die one day. Could we figure out a way to colonize another planet? <laughs> it's a morbid thing to say, but you understand like that that's his mm-hmm. motivation. Is that yeah. curiosity of, all right, how can I get the next thing going? So that concludes our episode on ambition. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Big Empty Purse. Tweet us, message us, tell us if you've given up yet, and tell us what you'd like to hear us cover in the future. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about weddings. Until next time, peace. <laughs>